Hey, everybody, you are listening to Just Screen It, Case Studies in Creative Distribution. I am your host, Colin Stryker, and I am not an expert in creative or self-distribution of independent film, uh, although maybe I'm becoming a little bit more of one after every interview I do. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I am an independent filmmaker working towards making my first narrative feature a horror film entitled The Grove. Uh, and as I've been contemplating my own eventual distribution strategy, I've been looking at self-distribution as a potential option, but I've found that there's not a whole lot of information out there to understand how it's worked for people. So I decided to start this podcast to help capture some of the experiences of those who have already been through it, whether successful or otherwise, and from those experiences, help both listeners and myself better understand this really complex, crazy landscape of independent film distribution today. So each week, I will be bringing on a filmmaker who has self-distributed or been personally involved in the distribution of their film. My hope is that future filmmakers can take the knowledge gleaned from the show and use it to make their own decisions on how to best distribute their films. All right. Hey, everybody. How are you? I hope your December is going well and everyone is gearing up for the holidays. I just wanted to put out a little, I don't know, apology. Not that it matters, doesn't hurt anybody, but just, you know, sorry that I have not been keeping up a more regular schedule of putting out these podcast episodes. It certainly was my intention when I started this podcast to get them out there once a week, but several things have come along that have kind of foiled my plans in that regard. As you know, I made some shorts this summer that completely took me off the map as, as my attention was almost entirely focused on those shorts. And then I got back from that, kind of went into a little bit of a post-production filmmaker funk that I think a lot of you are probably familiar with. And then I went on a much needed vacation to Mexico that I was hoping was going to kind of serve as a reset for me. But in Mexico, I caught COVID. So I got back home, was sick for several days, spent some time recuperating, isolating. And that kind of put me into another funk. So that, that kind of killed November off for me. And while I did manage to get a few episodes out here and there, I really wasn't able to stick to much of a regular schedule. But now I'm back. I'm healthy. I'm feeling good. I'm motivated. I'm editing my shorts. Everything's going really well. And I'm hoping to uh, jump back in and get back on a really much more regular schedule of getting these episodes out there. So stay tuned. To that end, today I'm speaking with Jason Charnick, the filmmaker behind Getting Over, a very personal documentary about Jason's troubled relationship with his father, who led a life of crime fueled by drug addiction. This is a heartbreaking, but ultimately heartwarming story about drug addiction and its impact on family, told with uh, amazing openness and honesty. Jason brings the same kind of openness to our talk here, giving us some real numbers, some honest opinions about distributors and the state of the industry, and some valuable advice for filmmakers along the way. I just love conversations like this. It's really what this podcast is all about, getting down to the nitty gritty and the truth, the honest truth about the state of things in our industry today. To that end, here it is. I am very proud to bring you my awesome conversation with Jason Charnick. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Jason. It's good to see you here after, you know, kind of kind of a lot of back and forth trying to <laughs> arrange schedules and all that stuff. Sure. But I watched your movie Getting Over a couple weeks ago. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's a, well, I won't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Why don't you go ahead and, and like, yeah, just tell us what, you know, what is it? What, what's it about? Sure. Back in 2018, I finished, I, I, I didn't, I won't say I made it in 2018 because it took about seven years, you know, from start to finish being a documentary, documentary take a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I finished getting over in 2018. It's, 
a personal documentary about me and my father and my family. My father was a drug addict in the 70s and 80s. I say it in the movie, but I had always said it throughout my life growing up that I could count on one hand the number of times I saw my father when he was alive. Now I actually feel like I'm quoting the movie when I say it. So I, I didn't see him very much, but my uncle, who's a muralist, an artist, a painter in New York City, fairly well known at that in, in those art circles, maybe not you know overall well known. Uh, his daughter, my cousin, was a photographer at the time in the late 90s before he passed away, before my father passed away. And they got a hold of a video camera and and my father was in the hospital before he passed, a few months before he passed. And they recorded like 18 hours worth of interviews with my father before he died. And then I moved out here to L.A. back in 99 and my uncle gave me just a stack of tapes. They were high eight, two hour high eight tapes. So there were like nine or ten of them. And they sat in my closet for 12 years, for well, for eight years. And then I got them out to digitize them to DV so I, I could actually get them into the computer. So in 2008, I got all these tapes into the computer, DV, it's, which is now like a, it's a dead format. But I got everything into the computer where it sat for the next four years. And then in 2012, with the proliferation of, of Kickstarter, actually, I decided to try some crowdfunding. My co-producer and I made a video. We raised about $6,000, generally speaking, not enough to make a, a film, let alone a feature film, but it was enough money to get back to New York City and record some interviews, rent a, a modest camera package. We, we have our own cameras as well. Rent a modest camera package and interview my uncle, go to the island in New York where my father is buried. It's called Heart Island, very well known in New York City because that's where they bury a lot of their unknown homeless people, people that aren't claimed, the the unwanted of New York City. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we got back and that was in 2015, yeah, 2014, we got to New York and recorded all of this stuff and just slowly pieced it together over the next few years. We did an Indiegogo to raise some finishing funds. I'm a, an editor and a post-supervisor myself by day. Um, I didn't edit the film. I hired someone to edit the film. But it gave me enough to pay her and gave me enough to do any of the things that I couldn't do myself, color, sound, things like that. In November of 2017, I got an email from Janet Pearson, who's the director of film at South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. And she sent me an email and they usually let people know in like February, January, February, because the festival's every March. And she emailed me in November of the year before in 2017. And she's like, I don't want to get your hopes up, <laughs> but we're probably going to program your film. Wow. How do you not get your hopes up when somebody yeah, says I was like, first like of all, like, what are you on. what are you talking about? Come, Janet, <laughs> yeah. come on. So I'm running back and forth in my house, up and down the 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 hallway, just like yeah. not getting my hopes up or anything. Yeah. So you hadn't even applied at that point. She had just Oh no, I, I had submitted it. Oh, I was submitted it. submission. Okay. Right. I, I had submitted it. We finished the film in August of that year. Mm -hmm. A lot of late nights of me just doing finishing editing myself and making sure everything was in its right spot. And yeah, so we submitted blind in, in August of 2017. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any, I've been working in the studio system for 25 years. I have been an independent filmmaker, but I didn't have any connections to South by Southwest or anything like that. Yeah. So she reached out out of nowhere. And then we ended up getting programmed that, that January, that February, I think. And then the, the festival was in March of 2018. 
And yeah, we were in the documentary spotlight competition. That was not necessarily, if there's anything I could say coming out of the South by experience, other than, you know, it changed my life and is, is certainly career plateau or high. I hope it's not the plateau. We only got into three other festivals the rest of the year. I mean, at South by, I was contacted by everybody. Kickstarter wanted to feature me because I was one of the Kickstarter movies. And they're like, we want to have an interview with you. And we want to help, you know, get the word out for your film. And, and, and all these other film festivals that they, you know, they see that, you know, Sundance and South by are the two right out of the gate for the year. Yeah. So they're, everyone's watching, you know, who gets into these festivals. So everyone reached all these festivals, reached out to me and we're like, here's a discount code. Here's a waiver code, or here's a free submission. And we only got into three other festivals the rest of the year. You've seen the film. It is, I told, just told you like our first seed money was six grand. You know, it was shot on on video in, uh, you know, in because all of the videos with my father were shot in 30 frames from like 1997. Like I decided to shoot the movie in 30 frames because I figured it would probably live on PBS or be on broadcast television somehow. And I didn't want to have to mix frame rates with shooting in 24 while half the film was, you know, archival footage shot in 30. So I shot it in 30 and it looks like video. A lot of it looks like video. It looks like it looks like a cheap movie. It's a documentary. Yeah, You know, a, a, a cheap, independent documentary. And I think. I think that's what attracted it to South by Southwest. I think they loved that it was a gritty, you know, that it wasn't, you know, polished, that it wasn't, you know, a million production companies throwing money into it and stuff. Um, so I think that's what attracted them to it. But all the other festivals, I think, saw it and were like, oh, this is not what we were expecting at all. So we only played in three other festivals the rest of the year, technically two. One of them was like one of those awards that you apply for and win an award. So really only two other festivals the rest of the year, San Francisco Doc Fest, which is a wonderful experience. And from someone I met in San Francisco, actually recommended the Indigo Moon Film Festival in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Smaller festival, but they were giving waivers because they were trying to get people to apply. And it ended up being uh, just a blast for me. Like the festival was amazing. The theater they screened it in was great. You know, I'm a big city guy living in Los Angeles from New York City, you know, hanging out in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It was just a blast. Yeah. Just a, a lot of fun. But yeah, so that that was basically, yeah, we've gotten to a couple of festivals and now it's on Amazon. We And we can talk about it too. We Our timing was very, very lucky and we ended up getting on Amazon Prime and getting distribution through Gravitas Ventures, who I'm also happy to talk about positive and negative. Mm-hmm. about that experience. But yeah, now it's out there. And if you're in the United States or Canada, you can watch it for free on uh, on Amazon or Canopy, or uh, you could buy a DVD on Amazon too, all that stuff. So yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, there's the whole story. And and so, yeah, yeah. there's a lot, a lot to cover there. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go get some questions out on kind of each of those areas sure. that we covered there. First, I'll just say that like, yeah, I watched the movie a couple weeks ago, like I said, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, I think that like I enjoyed it for uh, exactly what you think South by liked it for was, you know, in a documentary like this, I don't want somebody to be throwing out a lot of polish and cool right. graphics and stuff like that. This is an intensely personal documentary and you really open up. I mean, you're, you're really putting everything out there for us to see. And that's, yeah, I mean that, that, I mean that in a good way. I hope you, you, you realize, right, right. So, and that's like, you know, that calls for a gritty, low yeah. budget 
approach. It doesn't call for some slick thing. And and if I, if I saw a documentary about that topic that was all slickified, I'd be very you know wary of it. You know I I you know because it's it's you know somebody's trying to impress rather than actually just sharing themselves with me. And that's what I want to see in the film. Yeah, so. for sure. And in 2018 too, I mean, there were just a lot of really good documentaries that were out. Minding the Gap came out, which was very gritty and, and raw, but also very, very, very polished. It helped that, you know, the director was, you know, a DP himself and had worked with Steve James. Yeah. Being, I think his name was, there was like three identical strangers, which was an incredible documentary, but also very, very pop. These are, these are studio films. They're not made by, you know, Paramount or Warner brothers, but you know, uh, these big production companies that make, you know, or Morgan Neville films, you know, with, with Anthony Bourdain and things like that, like a little bit of polish helps when you're, you know, talking about Anthony Bourdain, but when you're talking about my, my father, who nobody knows, but who did drugs with Anthony Bourdain before he got, <laughs> yeah. You know, it required a, a different aesthetic, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. not having any money, you know, or resources played very well into that aesthetic. So we got very we got very lucky in the, the timing yeah. was right. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say that, like, you know, obviously South by is, you know, one of the premier festivals in the world. And and so that's like, you know, congratulations, first of all, and getting into that. And, and, you know, it's really fantastic. And I have to say, I'm kind of surprised that other festivals, you, you know, I, I don't know how many you applied to or whatever, but, you know, like I it, it, it is surprising surprising to me that more festivals wouldn't kind of, you know, buy into it for the same reason. You know, why would more festivals not see that same kind of quality that we're talking about, you know, and I would think especially smaller festivals, you know, these kind of smaller community festivals that I think are not necessarily trying to get big industry attention or anything like that. They just want to celebrate film and interesting films sure. and personal films and independent films, that kind of thing. And so, you know, can I ask how many you applied to? Yes, absolutely. 40 in total. Okay. Not including, I'd say maybe a, like eight or 10 of the people that contacted me and wanted me to submit. I, I did. I didn't consider that, you know, part of, you know, our initial like festival strategy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I applied to all the big documentary festivals, True False, Full Frame, which like I think Full Frame is like not even happening anymore because of uh, pandemic issues. I think it's coming back. But yeah, True False, Full Frame, Hot Springs. The big sky documentary film festival in Montana, like Arkansas or yeah, that's the hot springs, Arkansas one. I mean, we applied to all of them and every single one of them to a T, you know, and, and then some other smaller festivals, some New York based ones, cause it's a New York based film and I'm from New York and some local, you know, LA ones. Everyone said like, we appreciate that you were in South by Southwest. We, 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 we get that you were in one of the biggest film festivals that being said, thank you for your $40, yeah. you know, be on your way. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to even share it with your listeners, I'm happy to send you my film festival spreadsheet that I used because I had them all ranked like, you know, I, I gave them a star system ba based on their reputation. Hmm. Get you get out to the five star South Bys and Sundances and tips and, you know, see what happens. And then down to the lower, like two star, like smaller, more local ones. Chagrin was one that I wanted to get into. It's a big documentary festival in Ohio. And and just, yeah, everyone was like, we appreciate it. We liked the movie, but that's when the polish worked against us. So, Maybe, and, you yeah. know, and it's okay. It, it's a, it, it is what it, this, this is, this is extremely difficult. I'm sure. Your listeners all know, or yeah. like, yeah. like just getting a movie done is extremely difficult. Yep. Getting distribution on top of that is even, 
even crazier. Getting into festivals is even crazier. All the best filmmakers in the world still get rejected. So it was a wonderful, you know, and it was my first time, you know, with a feature. So it was my first time going through that whole, like when I have a short and it gets rejected, like I just make shorts to make shorts and I make shorts to practice. And, you know, and, and I try to do low stakes stuff when I mess around and make a music video or short or something like that. But for the first feature, it was a, a great learning experience in even when you think you're doing good, you're still going to get 90% rejected. So a uh, good lesson to learn with all of that. That's not to say I wasn't disappointed by it, yep. but yeah, about 40 in total. And we got into three plus the, like the award that I bought the, the uh, merit. Uh, oh, it was the award of merit from impact docs <laughs> or whatever those guys are, but I have a certificate. So, yeah, and it gave laurels, me a pair of laurels. Right? To, laurels uh, a laurel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, it's laurels. Right, yeah, yeah. I bought some laurels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, I think it just, it, it comments on also just like how, hard it is just to get into film festivals because yeah. it, it's, it's not even necessarily about the quality of the film or whatever. It's about, you know, what are they looking for? You know, maybe there was some other personal document documentary about addiction that was floating around that they wanted to take instead or something, you know, who knows? Yeah. It could be any number of things. There's so many reasons. And I think you just have to maximize the ones that you get into, maximize your experience and enjoy it for what it is. And Absolutely. And I was going to say like the, you know, I think it's great that you have this sort of experience of like South by Southwest and then you have this kind of smaller community film festival as well, which I yeah. love those, you know, and yeah. like I said, they, they, they're the ones that kind of eat up the independent content. They want the movies that aren't going to be in the theaters and, you know, in two weeks and all that kind of thing. And some of those are not well attended. And so it can be kind of a disappointment to go to them, but some of them well, are and, and really like pull out the audiences from some little community and get everybody who's interested in film to kind of come together and watch these films and interact with filmmakers, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, back when I did a documentary back in the 2000s, I had all kinds of experiences like that, that were just, you know, I spent a ton of money in festival application fees. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get any kind of real distribution out of it or anything, but I loved the experience of going to the festivals and, and enjoying those smaller, you know, festivals and, and audiences. So, oh, absolutely. And, you know, and being in Fayetteville too. So we won the audience award for best documentary at, nice. at Indigo Moon and the audience was engaged. Yeah. They were intelligent. They were, you know, on, on their shit. And they were, you know, when we did the Q&A afterwards, it went like a half an hour and people were just asking great questions and had interest and and didn't want to leave. And 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 it left it left a mark. All I ever wanted to do with the film was to leave a little bit of a mark, you know, yeah. on people when they saw it. So even though it was a small yeah, community, uh, smaller community festival in a, in a small town, you know, small town America, really, it, it, to see them be so engaged with it was was really like I, I went home and I was like that that might have been might have been it <laughs> might have been more fun than being you know it's out by Southwest so uh, I, and and I all, always tell people again we were a blind submission to South by yeah. I didn't know any of the programmers I didn't know a soul I just I went to South by Southwest.com and I filled out their application fresh and I gave them a Vimeo link and I gave them a cover letter, just like all you filmmakers are doing. <laughs> yep. That's all I did to South by Southwest. And they were like, we got you, buddy. So like, do it, do it. Don't be afraid. Like Sundance, they're going to say, they're going to say no. I just, so you see the Sundance list they just came up with. Yeah. Everything is polished. Everything is professional. Everything is million dollar budgets. They're independent films because they're not Warner Brothers or Paramount, but they are, you know, they are polished, big budget pictures, but you got to be in it to win it. 
So like spend that for that's, that's the 60 bucks. That's worth the 60 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever. Finish your film for the early deadlines, get in on the early deadlines, save your money and, 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 and give it a shot. Cause you never know. Now there haven't been any movies quite like mine since 2018, but that's not to say that they won't do it again. Like, yeah, they, you, know? you never know. And, and I mean, there shouldn't be movies like yours. I mean, that's what it should be about. It should be always finding new content, finding interesting content. Absolutely. The more that film festivals play stuff that, there hasn't been anything like that before the better. Right. You know? And that's, and as filmmakers, I think we need to strive to continue to put out content that is different and remarkable and, you know, separates itself from all of the other films that are getting submitted to all of the other festivals, just because there's Absolutely. so many damn films out there, you know? So I, I think you just hit the, you know, you got the right sweet spot at the right time to get into, you know, something like that to get somebody's attention. And as all, you know, filmmakers, I think we should all strive to, to do that, to kind of, absolutely, you know, find our own voice, you know? Absolutely. I, I also just want to say like, based on, you know, again, talking kind of about the, the festival experience, you know, there's a podcast about distribution. It's, you know, we're all so concerned about, you know, how much, how much money it costs to make movies. Therefore we have to be all concerned about how to make money back when we get the movies out there. You know, like we all want this kind of self-sustaining thing, Yeah, but I just wish it could be more about that. The, the, the kinds of experiences you're talking about, especially at the festival of just connecting with audiences Yeah, and, and these kind of live events where you're able to like rope in real engaged audiences, people who are looking for this kind of content and stuff like that. You know, I wish filmmakers, we could just be more about that. You know, it's hard it, given the, it, it's hard. I mean, listen, yeah. it's, it, it is. And, and it's really, it's the challenge it's changed. The industry has definitely changed the last few years, but that's always been the challenge for even big budget studio movies. Yeah. Like it, it used to like things have changed with streaming. And now that like corporations kind of run studios, it really is different, but like, Back in the day, just a couple of years ago, like, you know, studio executives want to make hundred million dollar pictures, but generally speaking, they still want to move audiences. You know, uh, like I said, that part has changed. But but, you know, even something as small as us compared, you know, with any of those bigger documentaries that I named earlier, like there's still everyone. Listen, I want to make some money, too. Like when I sold it into distribution, I, I you know, we are very lucky that we are in the black right now. I kept the budget so low that we are we are this like really within like another payment payment or two to being in the black completely. That's and, fantastic. And and I have since learned reading other articles by our our friend uh, Liz Manishill that that's a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In micro budget, low budget, independent film to make any money at all, let alone make your money back is is rare. So, yes, I'm trying to do this because I'd like to, you know, I'd like to make money, but like I didn't make getting over to make money. I'll make other things to make money. I like I said, I'm an editor and a post supervisor. I come from the studio system. You know, I've worked for Happy Madison for many, many years. You know, that's how I make my money is is working on other people's stuff. And then that way I can put my heart and soul into my stuff as well. But yes, we're all trying to make a, a sustainable career at this thing. And it's difficult, but it can happen. It can happen. Yeah. Well, and I think if there's anything that kind of came out of that, I assume you're sort of referencing the article that Liz and I think Naomi McDougal yes. Jones had yes. is sort of a filmmaker magazine thing. And the you know, if there's anything that came out of that, it's that I mean, everybody's story is different. Everybody's success or failure story is different. 
Sure. But I think at the real micro budget level, you know, it's almost like the nano budget level, like the right. 50,000, there's right. sort of a glimmer of hope, right? There's like, you know, there's, there's, because those expenses, those movies have such low expenses that yeah. they have this kind of hope of like, you know, the, the, their hopes don't have to be that high, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, if you have to make a million dollars out of the shoot just to yeah, get your money yeah, back yeah. or just to pay your, that's why like, I didn't take any, like I did the crowdfunding, but I didn't take any investors. Yeah. Like I really, it was really important to me knowing how hard the road was to any kind of income from this mm -hmm. that I didn't want to owe an investor money. Like I didn't want to go into debt. I didn't want to have to pay anyone else, you know, out, you know, before, you know, me or my editor or my producer got anything like I just, and the next movie, I'll probably have to do something like that. I'll probably have to get investors. I want it to, I want my career as a filmmaker to grow that includes budgets growing as well yeah. i mean i'm very comfortable in the micro budget space but i'd love more resources to you know put into the 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 thing itself but yeah when you keep your your resources low and your budgets low and your expenditures low it's just that much easier to get back to the black. So yeah, the whole thing, like I said, we got six grand in our first Kickstarter. We got about 15 grand in the Indiegogo that we did. And I only chose Indiegogo just so anybody knows. I only chose Indiegogo because it wasn't Kickstarter. I was like, I already did Kickstarter in 2012. This was 2015. We did the Indiegogo. I was like, let me just see what the other platform can provide. So it wasn't like a bad experience with Kickstarter or anything. It was just like, let's just see what the other platform can do. So we raised uh, 15 grand with that. So that was 21 total. And then the rest was putting my own money into it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sick of putting my own money into stuff. I'd like someone else to pay for the movies. Yep. That's that's the lesson that I totally learned. Understandable. You know, that's the lesson. And my wife is also my wife was one of my it's a great story. She was one of my last Kickstarter contributors. And we were just starting to date at the time. Wow. And we've cool. actually broken up for a little period too. So she was like, I gotta see this guy's updates from his movie and we're not seeing each other anymore. And holy yeah. shit. But we ended up getting married during the production of it. And it's kind wow. of featured just a snip yeah. in the movie. But yeah, I just didn't want to like owe anybody anything other than gratitude. Yeah, it totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I think that's a great way to go about it at, at that scale. And of course, you know, documentary sort of lends itself to that scale a little bit better maybe than yeah. narrative filmmaking does. But yeah, yeah. Let's just kind of go, if we can just go back a little. Oh, I know I was going to ask. Let me, let me get this out before, before I go back there. But and we'll probably be able to do some math here and figure out, you know, how much you put in personally. So if you don't want to mm -hmm. share this, that's totally cool. But I'm wondering. Oh, it's about I don't know, over the course of seven years, about 40 grand, 30 40 grand. grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's here and there. That's not like in big chunks or anything. That's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I have to rent something to go shoot something real quick. Yeah. You know, and it adds up. <laughs> yeah. So but but to end up making 40 grand, you know, be in the black and, and make 40 grand is pretty that's a pretty big accomplishment yeah apparently we're a unicorn so yeah you are <laughs> so that's fantastic I, I will be telling any any investors that i meet with for my next feature like i'm leading with that like yeah uh, I, I i i can i can make your money back guys yeah, like you should we can make this commercial <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we'll get back a little bit to that but i i wanted to maybe rewind just a little bit sure. and talk about how you kind of got into filmmaking in the first place and like did you see yourself you know as when you got started with filmmaking did you see yourself going in this direction or is this just kind of where fate took you like can you tell that story a little bit it, it was and i i'm 48 now mm -hmm. and i got started in this business right out of college in like 97 98 
Uh, so it's been, I've been, been doing it for a pretty long time and I have, it's a bit of a different story because, you know, as technology has improved, I, I came up during the, the DV explosion. So that put a lot of filmmaking in our hands that, you know, if I was even five, 10 years older, we're shooting on film. You know, like I went to, my degree is in psychology. I went to BU for four years and got a degree in psychology. And I only realized in my junior year that maybe I should go into film. You know, I grew up, obviously I'm a fan of movies. I'm a fan of TV, but I never really, not that I wasn't really encouraged because I didn't really think about it, but I never really considered entertainment as a career. You know, I I watched a lot of television growing up and never really thought, hey, I want to write a TV show. I just never thought about it. And then my, my junior year of college, I love telling the story because it, 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 it puts me right back there. My junior year of college, it was actually between my junior and senior year. I took a summer course. I decided to stay back in Boston. And it was a film course called The Film Industry. And it was about the history of the film industry and about how the film industry at the time worked. A lot of our homework was reading Variety on a weekly basis and learning about QM and, and box office returns and all of that stuff. And it was a summer class. So like in a matter of two months, you got to fit in like a whole semester's worth of stuff. So it was like three times a week, three hours a day classes. And it was a lot, but I was like, it's the movies. This will be a piece of cake. So I get to my first class and my teacher, his name is John Kelly. He's a well-known professor in Boston. He goes, I want you all to know that just because this is film industry and the movies and you read variety, don't think this is going to be easy. The average on our first test is about 65. So if you fail the first test, don't feel bad. Like I'm making this hard intentionally. So like you, you learn. And I took that first test and I got a hundred, like I nailed it. And there were like essay questions as well as like historical, like, like which, like Thomas Ince started what, you know, a studio and, and, and shit like that. And I ended up getting a perfect score on that first test. And I was like, maybe I should do this for a living. And I went back to my, my mother and told her that I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? But she supported me. And I took a couple more film classes, cinema studies classes in my, my senior year, applied to the BU School of Film, or you know, it's their College of Communication, but they have a film track. Didn't get in. My professor from that film industry class was one of the people on the, you know, on the board to like accept people. And he wrote me a letter of recommendation and everything, but I didn't get in. And I went to see him afterwards. And I'm like, what's up, guy? And he was like, just so you know, we only take for the graduate level programs, we only take 16 people a year. Mm-hmm. So we generally take people that have a production, you know, or at least a production education background. And it's really, really hard. But you have this letter. I believe in you. You're fantastic, you know, but you're just not getting into BU at this time. So, uh, which is like, listen, that's like your first introduction to like, you know, filmmaker rejection. So, and I was, I was, I was brokenhearted at the time, but what I ended up doing was I ended up graduating and I went to, and this is all in like 1998, moved back home to New York, went to NYU for a semester in their school of continuing education. So not their famous Tisch school where Scorsese and Oliver Stone went, but just like their adult education extension classes. And I took a film program there, learned how to edit on a flatbed on a six plate moviola. So there are some, like, like I said, like I was, we were right on that cusp. I never edited anything on film professionally after that. Yep. Uh, me too. That, so I mean, that's, great, 
I did. I did yeah. the same thing. I learned in yeah. film school. Great education. Made the transition there. in film school actually. Yeah. From sixteen millimeter to you know. Yeah, uh, and I was cutting sixteen so. on on on. I was cutting sixteen in my. I, my bedroom it was crazy so but i took this this semester there and met a couple of people that were in the tisch school and they became close friends one of them is peter sullivan who is just a master director right now of all the christmas films if you put on hallmark or ion or any christmas film 50 50 chance he wrote director actually if we include writing and producing 80% chance he wrote, directed, or produced one of the Christmas films you're watching now. Wow. Um, nice. We also, back in 2000, we made a Stephen King short film called Night Surf, which grew into The Stand, but it was one of the Stephen King's dollar babies, mm-hmm. which unfortunately he used to option out his short stories, non-exclusive, for a dollar. You want to make a short film out of a Stephen King short story? Pay him a dollar and you have the non-exclusive rights to do that. They just discontinued that program just this month wow. uh, unfortunately because the woman in his in his organization that did all the contracts for the dollar babies decided to retire so unfortunately they're not doing that anymore but we were one of the earlier frank darabont was a dollar baby he made the woman in the room and from that he had a, a relationship with steven that obviously grew into shawshank and the green mile so we did that in 2000 i moved back i moved out here in 99 and the, the one thing, this is the thing that I, I kind of wanted to like communicate to your listeners is like right now, everyone's got a, a 4K camera in their phone and a lot of filmmakers are just kind of giving it a go or, you know, freelancing and just just living that lifestyle. And back then, like I grew up again, like I didn't want to be a filmmaker until I was in college. I grew up in an environment where you go to elementary school, junior high high school, college, get a job. That's your job mm-hmm. forever, you know? And, 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 and uh, we, I feel like we were lied to in the United States of America. That's <laughs> yeah. like the way to go, but that's what I had in my mind growing up this whole time. So in 2006, you know, and I had made a couple of shorts and we were fucking around and doing things, but I, I wanted some consistent employment. Like I wanted, I I opted for consistency and kind of, I won't say gave up because obviously I came back to it and made getting over and made some other shorts, but I wanted a full-time job with a, a, a constant paycheck, a consistent paycheck. And that's why I got hired by a company called Framework Studio that does main titles and graphics and and and, and visual effects and production. And they were a part of Happy Madison Productions. So I worked on all the Happy Madison uh, main titles and some other stuff for them over the years. And it was a consistent paycheck for over a decade. And and I was really, really like, that's, that's what I wanted, but it kept me away from making movies. So in 2017, you know, when I realized it was time to really tackle getting over and like get serious about it, or in 2012, actually is when I got serious about it. But when I needed to wrap it up, you know, I had already been with happy Madison for 11 years and and they were dear to me and my my wife is my boss's realtor he lives up the block so i'm still very much in touch with all of them but i had to step away and i was also getting burnt out on post a lot mm-hmm. um, post production we get forgotten a lot post production people and it's probably the most maybe not the most i won't like compare it or anything but it's a very stressful environment full of we had things that would go on air you know that night that i had to deliver and you don't miss the delivery when it goes on air. If you turn on TV and you're staring at a black screen for 30 seconds, people get fired. Yep. 
which has never happened, luckily, for for anything that I've done. But I stepped away in 2017 to finish the film, and then South by Southwest happened. And so I've just kind of been, and then the pandemic happened, and then the strikes happened, so yada, yada, just trying to get the next project off the ground. But yeah, instead of like really actively trying to like make films and be filmmaker guy, I wanted some consistency and I wanted, you know, some stability and I got it. So like yeah. I, I look back on my career very often. It's not over. Like I said, I'm 48. It's not over by any means. But I look back on what I've done, especially when I see, you know, indie filmmakers now, you know, uh, come out of the shoot with big movies or, or you know, it, it, it's a. Uh, our our business is very competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I'm not competing with you, you're going to get into some festivals and then be like, I could have gotten into that. Like, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to, you know, uh, give that part a go again, you know, hopefully without all the competitive stuff. But yeah, I wanted the stability. I got it. I'm pleased with my career as it stands, but there's more chapters left to write. I try to do it without having to go back, you know, to a full-time job where I, make other people shit. I want to make my own shit. I don't want to make other people shit anymore. I mean, I do, but I want to make my own stuff. I got. I want to prioritize. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you and I are actually kind of in similar boats on that, you know, not to make this about my experience, but I worked in software industry. Like Mm. I went to film school. I got a, you know, MFA in film production, but just never, and, and, you know, did stuff in film, but just never like that never materialized in a career for me because I always really wanted to just do my own stuff. I didn't want to work for other people making their content. You want to answer to anyone. I I love notes, but like, I want to do my own thing and not the only way to truly do your own thing and answer to no one is to do things micro budget yourself. You know, the moment you take money from someone else to make something and they're expecting a financial return, they're going to want to have their say in your stuff, which is fine. That's not a complaint. Like that's how it works. That's how it should work. If you give me money, you're, you're quote unquote, my boss. I'm going to answer to you in some form. So the only way to truly be autonomous as an artist, if we're going to, you know, go down that road, the only way to truly like answer to no one is make things for cheap, make compelling, good stuff for cheap. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally agree. So, and I, you know, we'll get back to, I definitely want to talk about kind of your future aspirations and where you're going next, but just getting back to getting over a little bit. So let's talk about, you know, you, you go through South by Southwest, you get into, you know, this other festival, a lot of rejections from festivals, that kind of thing. What happens next? Like what, what, and I know eventually you hooked up with Gravitas. So can you tell us kind of the story of, of what you went next? I would love to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. I would love to tell you that story because it is a story that, that will never happen again, unfortunately. And that's what I was saying a little bit earlier about like the timing was perfectly right. Mm-hmm. So when we got into South by Southwest and and I want, you know, all of your listeners or anyone who's watching the Zoom to 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 really understand how much, you know, I think we all kind of understand on some level how much the industry has changed, you know, with with just how unprecedented it is that the two unions were on strike at the same time and how we were this close to having all three unions with the Directors Guild as well being on strike at the same time. Everyone's kind of just fucking fed up. Not just little filmmakers like us, not that we're little or anything, but, you know, smaller filmmakers like us all the way up to, you know, the biggest stars on the planet are just fed up with how this thing is going. So let me tell you our story and how different it is even just five years ago from from what's happening now. So in 2018, Amazon Prime as a streamer was very, very young. 
they were they opened their doors to anyone to submit their content and they were just gobbling up a whole bunch of stuff. They were looking to compete with Netflix. You know, Netflix was still pretty much the same as they are now. They'd have big feature films. They would have their series, you know, that would run a couple of seasons or whatever. I think The Crown was already out, some of their other bigger shows. And Amazon wanted to take Netflix on head on. So they started a program called the Amazon Film Festival Stars Program. And to some people, it was a godsend. To some people, it was a slap in the face. What it was, was if you Amazon Film Festival Stars Program, what they would do was if you made a major film festival, and that included Sundance, South by Southwest, and TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, and I think one other Telluride, maybe something like that. If you made the competition, you would documentary or narrative. If you made the competition, they would give you a hundred thousand dollars non-recoupable. So in our in, in our business, for anyone that doesn't know, when you sell a movie into distribution and they give you money for it, they will pay themselves back as revenue comes in for the movie. They will pay themselves back and shave off the top a little taste for them until they get the money back that they gave to you. So there's no risk for billion jillion dollar Amazon to give me thirty thousand dollars or whatever. So if you were in competition, you'd get a hundred grand non-recoupable and they wanted you to spend it on advertising and outreach and things like that because they weren't going to do any of it themselves, but they would put it on their platform and you could tell people your film was on Amazon prime at the time they, they did have, you know, some big movies on there. So they weren't like completely nascent, but they were trying to build up their library of titles. So if you're a bigger production, like we were talking about earlier, if you're a bigger independent production, $100,000 is a slap in the face. When you're looking for a million dollar deal, I think that year or the next year, Palm Springs with Andy Samberg, that was at Sundance, it sold for like a record $13 million or something at the time. And that was 2018, 2019, something like that. So when you're expecting to get a deal in the seven, eight figures and someone's offering you a hundred grand, that's a slap in the face. So if you were in the competition, 100 grand, if you were in the spotlight, which is like the next category down, $25,000, non-recoupable. And so what happened was, so just by being in the documentary spotlight category, we had a standing offer on the table of $25,000. Again, to most producers, most, you know, even low budget filmmakers, that's a slap in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are uh, uh, me who made the film for low five figures, you know, uh, looking uh, at getting half your budget back in one fell swoop is almost a godsend. And so what it was, was you would have to give Amazon a two year SVOD subscription video on demand, a two year SVOD exclusive. So you couldn't then go to Netflix. That's what they were trying to do. We want to acquire titles and keep them away from Netflix and Hulu. So you would have to give them a two-year exclusive, which sounds, you know, unless you're dying to have your movie play on Netflix, sounds reasonable. And they just wanted you to take all that money and spend it on advertising because they weren't going to do any of, any of that. So what ended up happening was I got a call from, so we had that offer on the table. So I was like, all right, let's see what else is going on. And we got a bunch of lowball offers from some real shady, you know, predatory distributors that were like, we'll give you $15,000 and you're going to love it. And I think on some level, either they didn't know Amazon 
was was doing their thing or they they wanted to think that I didn't know that Amazon was doing their thing and that I would fall for their nonsense. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I met with the Amazon executives while I was in Austin. I was like, what is this all about? Because I didn't know what the Film Festival Stars program was. It only ran for, I think, two years. It started in 2017 and then 2018. And then that was it. So I was getting all these lowball offers for like 10, 15 K and it was like 15 year terms and real stupid shit. And I was like, you got to like, I'm not that stupid guys, you know, and, and I, I, I've been in the business for 25 years. I got a hundred percent on my first test in the film industry, you know, class in college. <laughs> I know how the business works, but when you're in it and it's happening to you real time, just cause you know how the business works, like it gives you a little bit of knowledge, but it doesn't really, you know, save the day. So eventually Gravitas Ventures reached out to me and offered and this is where things get shady for this. this is why I wanted to share this part of the story. Not shady, but just like douchery. So <laughs> Robitas called me and offered 35K as a minimum guarantee. And I was like, okay, that's more than the 25 from Amazon. Now we're cooking. Still not a lot of money overall in the grand scheme of things, but for where we were and what our picture was. All right, now we're talking. So I said to the guy, you know, and I was talking with, uh, at the time, one of their executive vice presidents, I think it was Brendan Gallagher or Nolan, I think I was talking with Brendan Gallagher. I don't know what his role is with the company anymore because the it's been sold a few times in the last few years. But he offered 35 and I was like, so are you guys going to take advantage of the Amazon Film Festival Stars program then? And he was honest. He was like, yes, absolutely. And I was like, so when they pay you the 25K, that would have been going to me, that counts as, and they wanted, their, their 35K was to be recouped. So they would take their little bit off the top until they get their 35 grand back. But he said to me, like, yeah, like when we get paid from Amazon, the 25K, that'll go towards the recoupment. So I was like, okay, we can get 25K. And that's kind of why we're in the black now. They got 25 of that 35 back immediately. So that really like got us ahead of the game. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And we were never getting on Netflix anyway, because it's not gorgeous and polished. And we were never getting on Hulu. So going on Amazon was like, a complete. I was like totally fine with that because it would be listed on Amazon to sell DVDs and Blu-rays and you can stream it on Prime. And they also, they didn't do nothing. Like it's on Canopy. It's on a couple of other smaller platforms. But the thing that really pissed me off, the thing that really pissed me off was I ended up hiring, I'm not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I don't sign contracts without having a lawyer look them over. I don't agree to things without having a lawyer look them over. And so I ended up as we were, you know, and I was dealing directly with Brendan Gallagher at the time. We were just exchanging emails, talking on the phone, whatever. He even said to me once, he's like, how does it feel to know a grandmother in Iowa is going to get to see your movie? And I was like, I can put it on YouTube right now for free. And some grandma in Iowa could watch the movie. So pipe down, buddy. I (laughs) I do know something. Not that I said pipe down, buddy. So what I ended up doing was I hired Donaldson and Caliph, which is one of the most well-known indie film law firms in town. They basically wrote the book on fair use. And I have some fair use stuff in my film, some clips from Superman and Willy Wonka and stuff. And so, you know, I needed a lawyer's help anyway when I was getting our ENO or errors and omissions insurance. You know, they wanted to have a letter from a lawyer that said the things that I used were fair use. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if Warner Brothers wanted to sue me, they still could. But at least there would be this letter from the lawyer saying, you're probably good. Don't worry about it. Here's why we think you're on good legal ground. And that's how you get the insurance. 
So I had to hire a, a lawyer anyway. So I had them look over the contracts with Gravitas because they were also, and this is the one thing that I didn't know, they were carving out rights to stuff that I didn't realize I should keep myself. Mm. So like they weren't really, and they ended up doing it, but it was like my, you know, the attorney was like, are they going to exploit education rights or is it just going on Amazon prime? And so they were like, yeah, we're going to put it on canopy. We're going to do some other things, you know? So they wanted airline rights. They wanted hotel rights. They wanted yeah, educational rights, non-theatrical rights, things that I didn't really think about. And mm -hmm. I wanted to, and they said they didn't want to do a theatrical run of the film. You've seen it. It's, it's low budge. It doesn't, it's 30 frames a second. It doesn't play fantastically on a huge screen. Cause then it just half of it's 1997, you know, consumer video grade. So anyway, as we were in the negotiations for all this, we ended up carving out some rights that they weren't going to exploit, which was great. Um, not that anything ever came of it, but what happened was this, and this is why I want to tell all your listeners to be on guard for when you get in the room with these, these lenders, they promised me, they didn't promise me, but their offer was 35 K yep. with, you know, and then they were going to do the Amazon deal to get their 25 K back while we were in the con. We had a, a, a conference call it was my attorney from Donaldson and Caliph, me and, and these Gallagher guys, one of these Gallagher guys from uh, Gravitas. And he's like, oh, the MG is now 32.5. Huh. I'm taking 2,500 off the table. And I was like, what? What? Like, And he, he was pissed that I hired a lawyer. He wanted me, when he made me the offer of 35, he wanted me to just jump at it and say, absolutely, let's go without me having a lawyer. So I was like, I'm going to hire a lawyer. This is a legal contract. I'm going to hire a lawyer. So he was pissed off over the fact that he now had to deal with entertainment lawyers and that it was turning into a thing. And so he took 25 K off the top. And I even remember my lawyer on the call was like, Jason, are you okay with that? And I was like, I guess I have to be, or I walk away. And if we walk away, we can still do the Amazon deal, but like it was more money. It was still like $7,500 more. And I had some deferred payments to my editor and I had some payments to make to my co-producer, you know, that, that, that I had signed deal memos with, you know, earlier in the process. So I said, yes. And like, they held up their end of the bargain. It's on Amazon right now. You know, the two year SVOD exclusive expired, but it's not on Hulu or anything else. It's still on Amazon, but what Amazon has done in the meantime. So what, what has happened is this, Amazon, once they got enough content uh, to build a strong enough library to compete with Netflix, which they have now. And this was also, again, 2018. This was before they made any of their original shows. Yep. This is before The Boys. This is before, I mean, any of their you know original productions and original films. So since then, they discontinued the Film Festival Stars program. They You used to be able to submit your own work to Amazon and 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 they would carry it and give you, you know, pay you a chunk of the revenue. And that still stands for narrative films, but for documentaries, they don't accept independent documentaries anymore at all. I've heard that started to change just very recently. I'm not yeah. sure if I yeah. and, and I don't know if they're 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 going back to to that direction, but they've been making their own documentaries. Yep. They've been acquiring documentaries that they then brand as their own. Mm -hmm. They've been making their own original series and original films, as well as, you know, growing their 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 catalog library of studio titles. So they don't need that independent stuff anymore. So after 2018, like I said, this this program only ran for like two years, 2017, 2018. And not a lot of people took advantage of it. You know, like Thunder Road, for instance, 
my friend Jim Cummings, when they, who I met at South by Southwest in 2018, when they had Thunder Road there, they they had that same deal on the table. So they weren't able to get distribution from any bigger distributors. And it's a great film. It won the Grand Jury Prize at South by Southwest. It's amazing. I love those guys. Yeah. Super talented. But they ended up, instead of taking the 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 hundred grand from from Amazon and doing it that way, they ended up self-distributing themselves, you know, and they I think they got a grant from Liz actually was at at Sundance at the time. So she was working with them on their case study and they got like a six figure grant. I think it was like 125 or something. They got their own grant to do their own thing as long as they wrote a case study about it. And that's online. I also wrote a case study for getting over. I'll have to send you the link to that. Oh, if you want yeah. To cool. People. Yeah. I wrote a case study for, you know, for just the story I told you, basically just that in, in essay form. So they didn't take advantage of it either. Not a lot of, you know, pictures took advantage of that. Cause like I was saying earlier, if you put a lot of money, if you put 500 grand into your picture, you're not taking a hundred thousand dollar deal. Yep. And I think Thunder Road costs way less than that anyway. But if you're putting big bucks into your picture, uh, you know, 25 grand in, in the spotlight ain't going to cut it. But for us, for what our picture was, for what, what what that was, it was absolutely the right thing at the right time to 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 set us up for success. And I just wish that that program still continued in some form because it at least gave smaller filmmakers or film like marginalized filmmakers that don't have access to these other industry mechanisms for distribution. I just thought it was a wonderful program. And a lot of people were bad mouthing it at the time because the dollar amounts were so low. Amazon, you have eight billion dollars. Jeff Bezos is flying to the moon, you know, like, and you're giving people twenty five grand. Like, that's that's a lot of people would say that's predatory. A yeah. lot of people would say and, that's predatory. And and that's like, I mean, by today's standards, though, that is like a godsend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it was can just what we needed now. at just the right yeah. time. Yeah. And so we took advantage of it. And the pictures on on Amazon right now, they've actually since the SVOD exclusive expired, they've moved it to Freevee. They're free. It used to be IMDB TV and now it's Freevee. So if you want to watch Getting Over without commercials, you got to go to Canopy or you got to buy a DVD or something. Because if you want to watch it on Amazon Prime, they're putting in commercials and I have no say in where these commercials go. I have no say in what these commercials are. I have no idea what's playing next to my film. Yep. You know, so uh, we're it's, at their behest. Yeah, that's how I think that's how I watched it. And and it, like it, it's been one of several movies that I've watched lately, either on Freevee or on Tubi, you know, both of which are AVOD, right? And and you yeah. have to tolerate these commercials. And I've grown increasingly- And I think we're on Tubi too, yeah. Yeah, maybe I watched it on Tubi then, I'm not sure. I try to watch- when I interview people on this podcast, I try to watch their movies. I started out kind of starting out looking for them on Amazon. And then I was like, but they don't get any money from Amazon. They get more money from Tubi. So I, so I shifted over to looking for them on Tubi just so that, you know, I can do my little token of like making sure they get a little bit more of my money. Sure. I appreciate it. But it, mm -hmm. it really is like watching with commercials just sucks. I hate it. I like supporting filmmakers, but you know, I do it. And <laughs> I didn't even really, it's not like they reached out and were like, Hey, your movie is like, I went to, you know, I, and I don't know why it does it, but I've also never reset it. Like when I go to Amazon to shop for some reason, because I have getting over bookmarked, yeah. it always auto fills. So like, Getting over is like my Amazon homepage, even though I don't necessarily <laughs> want it to be. It just autofills. So I'm always, you know, popping in on it. And and when I saw that it went to freebie, I was like, 
nobody told me not not that I would like nix it or anything. Like, hey, keep it up there. Fine. People want to watch it. Yep. Great. But like nobody nobody tells you what's happening. Nobody. And then if you contact someone at Gravitas and expect an answer to anything, the person that was dealing with my one when they acquired it, like I had a coordinator that like I had to do all the deliverables for, and like, they were like my liaison at, at, at the, at the, at the studio at the company. And like, she's gone, they've sold the company a couple of times now. So if I were to reach out and I had a question for them about something a couple of years ago and like, nobody knew what the hell I was talking about or who I was, or it was like Gravitas that just started their own streaming platform. And I was like, why am I not on your own streaming platform? And like, nobody could answer me. I was like, oh, you guys suck. So every, so to bring the story full circle to all you filmmakers looking to get filthy rich in this business, <laughs> I got a check for them. I get a check every, every three months, every quarter. Our last check was $60. Most of it from Amazon prime from free V a couple, you know, a couple of DVDs sell here and there. Also Gravitas gets to, if somebody buys a DVD and returns it, they will recoup that money. If it, a tape library has like five DVDs in their library to sell, and then they don't sell them. So they want to send them back to Gravitas. They, a Gravitas will charge me a fee for, for storage. Like they're always like, and they're nickel and diming. It's like $2 and 80 cents for storage. So they'll keep, they like so they've gotten they've recouped their 35k back but they always reserve the right to just you know and they get i think 30% of the cut which is fine cuz i get 70 of it but they're always nickel and diming you they're always recouping something you know to 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 get a little extra change out of it so my last check from them was like 68 bucks there was one month or one payment where it was 0 dollars but for the most part every 3 months me and my wife go out for a a, a half fancy dinner uh, on, on Gravitas Ventures. And over the course of the last five years, we are almost, you know, almost into profit taking, which like I said, is like a, a unicorn in this whole thing. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not like angry at Gravitas at all. They've they've done what they said that they would do other than like, I thought they would do some kind of advertising. Like with Amazon, they specifically said, we're not going to advertise your picture at all. You need to tell people that it's here. We'll put it up and give you the 25K, spend it on Twitter ads, spend it on ads, just yep. go. Yep. And so I had to beg Gravitas, can I get a, a social media post on your Instagram? Like I, I would always, like I follow them on Instagram and I would always see them pimping out their other movies. And I'm like, can I get it? Like you just acquired us. Can I get a, can I get a tweet? And they were like, fine, sure. And so they would be like, now on sale, getting over. And then like, I'd never hear about it again. So, you know, I, I don't do any advertising for it now or anything, but people still find their way to it. And, and, and it's still, you know, it is still making money and it is still, you know, when the movie first came out, I was getting emails from strangers all the time, like telling me how much the movie, you know, uh, uh, what I didn't actually expect was a lot of older women who, who are recovering addicts themselves that seems to be the the audience so i was getting a lot of emails from people who had gotten clean and were grateful that they saw a movie about drug addiction and not about the addict themselves but about yeah. the family of the addict yeah. which was rare apparently so i was getting emails you know and i still get one every here and there but i made friends with some people that i would you know i call my fans they're not really you know fans whatever even that we feel a little, you know, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but there are people, you know, one, one of these ladies that, you know, reached out to me five years ago, just last week was, it was world AIDS day. 
and my father passed from AIDS and it's in the movie about it. So she like made a post about world AIDS day and like tagged me. And I was like, that's so sweet. And it's like five years after the movie. And like, we're not friends. We don't hang out. We don't talk. This is just somebody that lives in like, you know, Arkansas or something. But I was like, wow, you're really, you're still thinking of me after all this yeah. time, you know, uh, I can't pay my mortgage with it, but it's still more important to me. <laughs> you know, it was it's just so beautiful to have that connection. So the movie's out there and 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 it's doing, you know, modest business, very, very modest business. But even that is is really, really rare. And that all happened just because of this confluence of events and, yep. and, and things that were happening in the business. And 2018 is not that long ago. I'm looking, you know, it's 2023, almost 2024, still not that long ago, but the industry has changed radically since then. And it is so much harder to do what we just did. Yeah. So, but I, I say that because to any of the filmmakers listening, you still have to do this stuff, you know, don't not do it because you're scared or, or like, oh my God, I'm going to bust my ass for the next God knows how many years of my life just so I can get a $60 check yeah. in eight years. Like that's not the, forget about that. You got to get your work out there. You got to, you got to put your heart and your soul into it and you got to leave it all on the screen and hopefully it gets noticed that way. And it is harder now than it was in 2018. And in 2018, it was damn near impossible. Yep. But if it happened once, it can happen again. And I really feel after these strikes are now, you know, in the rearview mirror, there is going to be a return to 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 movies like that. They, you know, and that's the kind of movie like I make movies that are not necessarily commercial, you know, but I, I you know, that are talkies and deal with heavy issues. But I think that there's going to be a return to that now over the next few years. It hasn't happened quite yet because everyone's still trying to figure out what these strikes mean and AI and, and what the future of all of this is going to look like. But for any filmmaker, you still have to do what I did. You still got to do your homework, make the best picture you can make. Some things are out of your control, like 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 Gravitas taking money off the table was out of my control, you know, but, you know, Amazon even having their program. These are the things that are out of your control. But what you can control is your work. And if you make the work as good as you can make it, polish it as much as you can you know, miracles can happen and they have, and I, and I, I hope to capture lightning in a bottle again someday, but that's, you know, that's, that's the advice I got to give because this business is going to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Those are words to live by, I think for, for filmmakers in, in this day and age, you know, I really appreciate the honesty you bring to it, sharing the actual numbers, things like that. I have the, to, you know, cause nobody you know, the else wants the to, negative. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Nobody else. Wa this is one of the things that I learned and, and, and I kind of learned a little bit of it from Liz too, cause she is also so very, I will tout Liz to the nines. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Me people too. have mentioned I, I will great. tout She's her. She's been to on the, the show. I interviewed yeah. her on the show. She's just, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's just amazing and yeah. just so knowledgeable of the industry too. She just really brings it all together. What I've what I've learned is to just yeah, you you've you've gotta you know, just focus on the work, make the best picture you can, and you know, just try to learn as much about the industry as you can when you're ready for it. But, oh yeah, on the honesty thing, I, I learned that from her because she's also very, very open about it. And I know a lot of filmmakers aren't. A lot of filmmakers are not proud to say, I made a picture for six figures and my yeah. check was $60. Yeah. Or I made a picture for six figures and I'm still, you know, living in a one, you know, a one bedroom studio apartment or something. You know, it, it, it hurts a lot of people to talk about 
but I am so happy. Like, and listen, maybe I burned a bridge with gravitas. If I'm bad mouthing Brendan Gallagher or something, they're like, Oh my God, how can you do that? We'll never buy. Fine. Don't buy my fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fine. Like, dude, this is what I was saying to the guy in the first place. I've been in this business for 25 years. Like it's, it's time to burn some fucking bridges. Yeah. People would always say to me, I would want to quit a job. No, no, don't bad mouth them. You don't want to burn a bridge. Yeah. Sometimes I want to burn a fucking bridge. You know, and so I don't give a shit if Gravitas buys my next picture. Or yeah, not. Yeah. So I'm happy to be honest and tell people, yeah, bust your ass for maybe a $60 check every three months. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So it, 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 I, I want people to know the truth about this kind of stuff because, yep. you know, small fit, like hopefully, listen, yes, hopefully it leads to bigger things. Hopefully my next picture, I'm working on a script now and to move away from documentary into narrative. Hopefully that can have a bigger budget and I can deal with all that other Hollywood bullshit there. But most people that I know in the micro budget space are just scraping by trying to do all this stuff themselves. And so like, keep doing that. Yep. Keep doing that. Keep scratching you know, and crawling. And, and right. Try yeah. to hold the rest of Hollywood, you know, the, the, just the cliche of Hollywood, try to keep it as bay at bay as long as you can and just focus on the work because it it's, it's nothing to get, crazy about, you know, make, make your picture. Yep. I, I love to hear that. And and it's really, you speak, I think, to a very strong theme of this podcast that has developed over the, you know, that's why I was looking forward to talking with you. I've yeah. done now is it's like, I, I think you, you really summed everything up there. And, and I just cannot underestimate how important it is to me to kind of get that message out there that it's like, you, you, we focus so much because we're forced to, we focus so much on the business aspect of filmmaking you know, and, and it's not that you don't need to pay attention to all of that. You do, and you need to educate yourself on that. But at the root of it, it really needs to about, be about the filmmaking, you know, at, at least for me, it Always. needs to be about, you know, communicating with audiences, being independent voices, getting unique quality content out there, whatever quality means. It doesn't necessarily mean slick and high production value. It just means, sure. you know, honest, authentic, good thoughts, you know, like th- th- these, these kinds of things I think need to get out into the world and, you know, just people need to find ways to do it, you know? Absolutely. And it, and listen, and that might sound a little pre- like pretentious, like artisty, like right, I'm right. Gonna make my movie, like, listen, yeah, no, it's the only way it's yeah, the only, like, yeah. if it sounds pretentious, you know, don't apologize for that because yeah. like, it's the only way because art or film as art film has been consumed in, in the United States and the world abroad film is consumed unlike any other art form. Yep. You know, our art and commerce come together like no other place than they do in, in the motion picture industry. And so while it does sound a little pretentious and artisty to say like, I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to make my movie and I'm going to be true to my vision. Like you have to say that because there's this whole group of predatory bastards just waiting like freaking condors and buzzards circling circling your carcass waiting for you to get burnt out on Hollywood so that they can swoop in and 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 exploit you. I mean there's a reason why they call it exploiting the rights like because yep. yep. it's exploitation. Yep. You know? So, you know, if it sounds a little bit pretentious, I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, it's taken me 40 years of my life to even admit that I'm any kind of artist. It took me a real long time to even get to this place. So the, the the less that I can rely on a company like Gravitas and and take my work right to people and and see what people like I said people have been very appreciative of it and I'm very very grateful and blessed and honored for that. But yeah, like if it sounds pretentious, so be it. Like whatever, yeah, make it I, be. 
You won't get any argument from me. I, I, I love those words. So I know we've gone a long time here. I know you had something else you wanted to get to, but it's been a great conversation. I just want to ask you, because I know you mentioned you're working on a script. I just wanted to ask you, like, where are you going next? And if you can give a little more detail on kind of like what kind of project you're, you're working on, it sounds like you're, you're actually going into narrative filmmaking, which I think is great. And, you know, what, just, a, just a quick overview of, of your plans for your next project. Sure. Well, I, like I said, I, I'm an editor and a post supervisor by day. So like, that's my career. So I've never really like, I'm not trying to be a famous director. I'm not trying to be a rich director, but I have a couple of stories that are near and dear to my heart that I'm trying to share with the world. Obviously getting over was one of them. Actually, before we finished getting over in 2017, my wife and I lost our first child and we still don't have another child. Oh, I'm so sorry uh, to hear that. It's not the easiest thing or the most fun thing to talk about. I've also created a completely fake movie to tell people I could have just led with, you know, I, it's about drug cartels and, 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 and samurai and the Yakuza. And I came up with a whole fake bullshit movie to tell people when I'm having, you know, just shooting the shit. Cause it's not fun to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, we had our loss and nobody's made really a movie about that. Yeah. And I, like I was saying, like, I think we're going to get a real return to, you know, 70s style dramas mm -hmm. and, and movies like uh, A Woman Under the Influence or even Kramer versus Kramer, which was a, a huge studio film. Like, I, I want to make movies like that where adults talk to each other about adult things yeah. and it might not be the most commercial thing in the world, but I'm, I'm all I ever, again, because I'm a post guy, I want to work on other people's movies for my career, but as a director, as a filmmaker, I made my documentary. I'm going to make this narrative. I would like to make another narrative comedy where it is a lighter, you know, lighter fare, you know, a more old schooly type of, you know, like comedy that they don't even make anymore, you know, a super baddie kind of thing. And, and, and if I can make those three movies as a director, I would be happy with my career as a director right there. I think that's also, it's made it a little more difficult for me to navigate in this filmmaker space over the last year or two, because directors gen generally want to direct. They make yeah. a film because they want it to be a calling card so that they can get representation, so they can get jobs to direct commercials, music videos, other films, whatever. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> so. I'm kind of in this weird space where I want to direct a film, but I don't necessarily want to direct other people's films, you know, and, and that's what most directors want to do with their career. So I'm kind of in this weird nether region where like, I'll follow people online and they'll give, you know, industry advice on how to be a director or how to be like, I follow all these screenwriters on TikTok, but I'm not trying to be a writer either. Like I'm just trying again to do my own thing. And so a lot of the advice that they give doesn't always speak to me, even though I get where they're coming from. So it's been a little bit of a more difficult road because like people look at me and they're like, you don't want to like, no, I want to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of keep trying to do that. I'm going to try to make this movie over the next year and a half, two years, however long it takes really. But I'm hopeful I can get rolling in. The are you in sort of a fundraising stage right now or not even there quite there yet? The fundraising stage. So I'm about 60 pages into the script. I have a okay. short version that I was and still might shoot as a short, you know, do that whole whiplash route, the whole Thunder Road route, you know, short to feature thing that those guys, you know, sing about all the time, which is amazing. And so, but now that I'm getting so much into the feature script, I'm like, well, let me just finish the feature script. I'll make the feature. Mm -hmm. so, like, yeah. I might not make the short, but if I get, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 K together somehow, I'll make the short and hopefully that can, you know, be 
you know, a sizzle reel or whatever to get people to give me more money for the feature. So yeah, so that's just what I'm trying to do right now and it'll get done. I mean, I, I'd like, like I said, I'd like to get it done in the next year or two because I'd like to have the income. To yeah. And also, I mean, that's like people like, oh, you're exploiting your your tragedy so you can make like, listen, I, I, I'm I'm myself up trying to make this thing. And yes, I the, again, film is different from any other art form. I would like to pay my mortgage. Yeah. I would like to, you know, make my car payments. Yep. And and the only way I know how to do that is to rip my heart open to the <laughs> world and yeah. and 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 be honest and tell the truth about things. So sooner the better would be great, but I know this thing's going to take uh take yeah. some time. Yeah, it takes time. That, anyway, it, it, like again, it, I really appreciate your honesty about all that and uh, yeah, I think that's what you bring to the table. You bring, you know, sort of sort of honesty to what you do. It's going to go into everything you do. So I, I try really appreciate this is doing post stuff. Like I said, I always wanted to just like work on everybody, but when you're working in micro budget levels, yeah. people are their own post supervisors. They're yeah, their yeah, own. Yeah, totally. They don't usually need <laughs> right. me to just hand something off to a sound mixer. Yeah. You know, it's a bit different. So that's been, you know, uh, a little getting used to, but the only thing I can, if I can, you know, we talk about bringing value, you know, in social media and stuff like that. What's my value if everyone, like honesty, yeah, <laughs> telling people totally. how it really go and how my, my experience really went and, and being open and honest about that is the, it's the least I can do, yep. you know? Yep. So yep. it's free. So like, if I'm honest about our experiences on getting over and what's happened to me in the business over the last 25 years, I want people to have an accurate view of just how hard this is. But just how fulfill. I mean, the reason why it's this hard is it's extremely, even if you can't pay your mortgage, it's extremely fulfilling to finish. It is just, yeah. uh, again, like every people don't understand because they see hundreds of movies come out a year. So the general public at large is like, oh, it's easy. There's hundreds of movies that come out a year. There's 20,000 times as many projects that don't get made yeah, and are difficult. Sure. So, you know, if if the least I can do is tell people just keep working, get get it done. And if you get it done, you're already ahead of the game, you know, and, and it's important for for people to, you know, follow their heart and follow their soul and follow their art and, and get it out there. So just just even though it's harder and even though it who knows what the industry is going to look like in the next five years. Yeah. You know, make, 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 make your stuff because that's the only thing, again, it's the only thing you can control is your yep, own stuff. Yep. Yep. And don't worry too much about where the industry is going to be in five years. Yeah. I mean, keep and tabs on it, anyway. be knowledgeable about it, but at the core, just get, get your stuff done and see what you can do. You know, Absolutely. like that's, that's all I mean, that's, do, that's so. really, yeah, 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 really all it is. So, all right. Well, this has been a, a totally awesome conversation. I really appreciate everything you've shared just to end, like where, where can people find you, follow you? Sure. Your work, all that uh, you can thing. find me on Twitter at the real Charnik. Any yep. other Charnik is a fake Charnik. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Charnik, twitter.com, x.com slash the real Charnik, Instagram, the real Charnik. Also, if anybody wants to learn about uh, getting over, it's gettingoverfilm.com. There's also absence.movie. If you want to learn about the absence is always present, which is my current film that I'm writing. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm already, I'm already raising funds. Yeah kind of just like whatever I can get. I've made a few hundred dollars to just help with research and things along the way. Yep. I haven't really pushed it too hard, but if anyone wants to learn about the movie and what it is, absence.movie and niftyfilm.com also. Okay. I'll give you all my, I got links galore, yep. man. Oh, sounds good. Chronically okay. online these days. After the pandemic, I am chronically online. All right, that's all for today. Thanks everybody for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That is the best way that you can help me grow the show and reach a wider audience of independent filmmakers and others who just want to try to understand this crazy, crazy world of independent film distribution. As always, feel free to contact me directly with any feedback or suggestions for the show. You can find me on Twitter, or should I say X, or Instagram at DarkRoseColin, or you can email me at Colin at DarkRosePictures.com. That's Colin with one L, C-O-L-I-N, at DarkRosePictures.com. And by the way, darkrosepictures.com is my website for my feature and other projects. Its purpose is not just to promote my films, but to tell the story with honesty and transparency of my own personal filmmaking journey. So if you want to follow the process of an independent filmmaker from development to distribution, this is a great way to do that. So check it out, darkrosepictures.com. Anywho, I want to thank Jason Charnick for a fantastic conversation. His really honest take on things, really appreciate that. It's kind of what this podcast is all about. I want to thank Jeff Reimut for his awesome work editing these episodes so I don't have to. I am back in the groove with this podcast and will be bringing you more interviews with great guests talking all things indie distribution in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Keep getting those movies out there into the world. Happy holidays wherever and however you choose to celebrate them. And as always, I thank you so much for listening. See you next week.